Blog Talk Radio. Featherstone, ladies and gentlemen, and uh, we just got a bunch of fun stuff to talk about today, uh, some controversial stuff to talk about today, and, you know, just here, uh, just, you know, I got a feeling that we may talk some old school today. I, I you know, it's, every now and then, we kind of go off the script, and, well, actually, we probably go off the script just about every week, because uh, the, inter- the interaction is so amazing uh, at uh, We Are Wrestling. And through Twitter and uh, the Crave Wrestling Facebook page and uh, all of the social media avenues that Pancakes and Power Slams airs live or you have live access to. And it's just exciting. It's just fun. Uh, what we're going to talk about, our Flavor of the Week this week, isn't going to be ain't very fun. So it's not fun per se. But it's definitely a hot topic, it's definitely a a buzzworthy topic, and Derek and I are going to give you our thoughts on, you know what the subject's going to be, brother. So we're going to talk about that, and it's going to be exciting, it's going to be heated uh, as far as uh, just the, the, the passion that we feel about the topic, and uh, it's, it's, it's going to be very interesting. We're going to talk about Raw and the abysmal ending to Raw uh, that, uh, oh, you know, I, I, as a matter of fact, there's breaking news that I want to unveil. The breaking news is this. Chris Featherstone is now a de facto Seth Rollins 
advocate, not a fan, but an advocate, only because of what I am seeing week in and week out the past couple of weeks with John Cena, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll certainly we'll certainly get into that. So we're going to have a lot of fun. Let's talk about tough enough real quick. So every week, the first few weeks it was it was interesting. I was I was getting into it. I was actually okay with the format. People were complaining about it not really being live when they say they're going to be live. And you know, I I was okay with it. I could put up with it. It wasn't it wasn't horribly tolerable. You know, it wasn't like pain painfully tolerable. Um, when they're in the barracks, when they're learning, you know, I'm cool with that. And then the live part being towards the end, totally fine with me. Now, here's the issue. As the weeks progressed, it just got worse and worse and worse and worse when you have, you know, big names leaving at the, at the very, you know, beginning when you have, um, you know, Patrick getting eliminated last week because Paige has this odd obsession with just being miserably angry all the time. And, you know, I haven't uh, followed Total Divas this this uh, this season. I have the, the previous seasons, but I just got so fed up with uh, just the Total Divas, you know, uh, the total divas spiel that I, I just stopped getting interested. And plus, doing total divas, I'm working out anyways at the gym, uh, and I don't have any, I don't have any type of uh, desire to, you know, clog up my DVR with total divas episodes. So yeah, it, you know, I just haven't got into it. So, but you know, for the for, for the sake of for for the sake of 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 being a wrestling fan, being a wrestling journalist, I said, you know what? I it's been a while since Tough Enough has been around, and I'm going to I'm going to watch Tough Enough. Uh, I'm going to watch Tough Enough. It's going to be great. I, I have a feeling it's going to be we're going to have a good time watching Tough Enough. So as the weeks progress, it just gets worse and worse. I. I I just about have lost all type of likeness for Paige and because she's just a 22-year-old spoiled brat and it's just absolutely it it's it's just mind-numbing how spoiled she acts and you could just you could just tell I mean you know her personality is just it's just unveiling right in front of our eyes every week, you know, and it's just, oh, man. I mean, you're arguing with the judges. You're arguing with the contestants. You're not making – you're not setting an example of, of being the role model. You you complain and you gripe about the divas arguing in the the house – and you're doing the same thing they're doing with professional wrestler legends, you know, and notable names. And it's just absolutely, it, it's it's elementary, it's juvenile, it's it's just it, it's just really annoying. 
it's what it is, her personality, and just, man, I'm just losing, I mean, it's plummeting. My Paige's stock, you know, in my book is, is totally plummeting, and it's just getting worse and worse. It's not going up whatsoever. And we saw it with voting Paige out, and then you first, and then she starts yelling at the beginning of Tough Enough, saying, well, you guys complain about me voting out Patrick but you you didn't vote him in, and, and just ridiculous. And then, you know, Hogan's out because of his crap. And uh, you know, out of all the possible, uh, out of all the possible replacement judges you pick, I was expecting someone to at least be in Hogan's legendary status. I mean, we're going to talk about you know our opinions on his remarks, but you can't take away his status as a legend in the business, a WWE Hall of Famer. So I was expecting at least for that to happen. And who do we get? The Miz. At least Hogan was brought that legendary Hall of Fame feel. It was a really good dynamic with Daniel Bryan Hogan. And I still don't think Paige should have been there. I think Natalia should have been either Natalia or Trish Stratus. I'm sure Trish Stratus probably didn't have the time. So Natalia, would have, as far as someone who's accessible, Natalia would have been certainly the best option. And so you get Paige in there. You try to make her relevant uh, as far as a big name. I mean, she's you know she's important as far as the Divas division is concerned, but she's only 22. She still has a lot of growing to do. So you finally you put her in the judges' booth. It turns out to be a disaster every week. And nobody saves Patrick. But someone saves, but the Miz, because she's hot, she's the Miz says because she's hot. That's that's the judge. That's the judge that you picked to replace Hulk Hogan. The Miz says because she's hot, I'm going to save her. He's going to use his save on someone who most likely is going to be voted out next week or the week after. If you saw tough enough, you saw the overwhelming percentage gap between her and the person who lost, which is Mata, who had a ton of potential. And why in the world would you put ZZ in the bottom three again? And he wins the poll every single week when you put him in the bottom three. Even if I'm, if I recall correctly, he beat Josh last week, uh, and just he beats people every single week when they vote when they, you know, vote ZZ on the bottom three. So don't vote for ZZ. Don't put him in the bottom three. He's already won the hearts of the WWE Universe. And so you, you saving on Amanda. I mean, this 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 show is becoming more and more of a joke every week, Derek. Uh, yeah, I would agree. And I've actually missed the last couple episodes. i got to read about it the next day or whenever they post about it. But it's lost its mark. I remember back in you know a few years ago when they had it, it was great. It was a great entertaining show. And when you watch it, it is good. But then you just kind of realize, again, like we talked about last week, how much Paige just ruins it. She just makes it horrible. And almost unbearable to watch because she's being a diva. And uh, it's getting the Miz replacing Hulk Hogan. Again, you don't have that status of you need someone legendary in there. I mean, even Arn Anderson would be a better pick than the Miz. 
So it's almost it's just absolutely. And the Miz has a lot behind him. He's got a lot of, you know, ring credibility. I'm not taking that away from him, but again, you can't. Yeah, it was a quick replacement, all I can say, and I couldn't find anyone better. Exactly. Exactly. It was a quick replacement. You know, it just seemed like they they just didn't want to spend the money to probably bring somebody else in. I mean, all the all the agents you have in the back that's credible. I mean, Arn Anderson, like you said, is a great name. Fit Finley is a great name. Uh, you know, my my choice would have been, you know, someone like a, a Mick Foley. I think Mick Foley would have been fantastic. Even someone like Kevin Nash, you know, uh, he would have brought a, a dynamic. Someone who's in the Hall of Fame that could bring that Hall of Fame type of, you know, credibility uh, to it. Shawn Michaels. I mean, Shawn Michaels would have been a fantastic judge. I, I know that, you know, I'm currently reading his book now, and uh, I know that he didn't want to be on the road so much. But you know, it's just a it's just a flight to Florida every Tuesday. You know, that's that's basically what it's going to be from from Texas to Florida. That's not that's not a huge, you know, uh, distance flying wise. So fly Shawn Michaels to to Florida every Tuesday and let him be the judge. It's it's ridiculous that that we have to. You're expecting people to watch Tough Enough. Hulk Hogan, to be honest with you, he was really the drawing power that we had as far as Tough Enough. I mean, I'm a huge Daniel Bryan fan, but Daniel Bryan wasn't the drawing power. Hulk Hogan, honestly, was the drawing power of Tough Enough as far as judges are concerned, as far as me wanting to watch Tough Enough. I'm like, okay, that should be cool, Hulk Hogan being a judge, It'll be, you know, cool to see, you know, just the legendary take that he has. And so we need someone to that caliber, and we didn't, you know, no disrespect to The Miz. You know, he's been around for, you know, 10 years. He's been, you know, uh, WWE World Heavyweight Champion, Intercontinental Champion, U.S. Champion, Tag Team Champion. He's won, you know, all the uh, major championships, but he he's still not a top guy. You know, he's he's still a mid card guy. You know, he's he's had his moments as a top guy, and they didn't they didn't really turn any heads. You know, to uh, give him attention and didn't really do very well in numbers wise. So, you know, I, I it's it's just dwindling. It's really 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 dwindling. So let's get let's get started with our first trivia question of the night. Name two female members of the oddities. Name two female members of the oddities. And while, yeah, should have got HBK, Foley would have been awesome. appreciate that. Why not Sting? No, 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 no. See, Sting is an absolutely no to me because you do not want to. See, there's certain people who... There's there's certain people that you always want to stick at least ninety percent of the time. You want to stick kayfabe when it comes to pro wrestling. Sting and the Undertaker are two of them. You you don't want see the thing is it would just break our hearts. We know that wrestling is you know scripted. We know that you know it's it's choreographed. We know that it's preplanned. But you know it's like I was defending uh, wrestling. Uh, to, to to someone before, and it's like you know what, 
you watch, you, you like Marvel Comics, you like X-Men and Spider-Man, you know, at the end of the day, it's good versus evil. So what's the difference with pro wrestling? And so I stumped them because they didn't have anything else to say. And so it's like one of those things that you don't ever want to see Spider-Man walking down the street. You know what I mean? Like it's it's one of those things you don't ever want to see Batman and his. You don't want to, you don't ever want to see Batman and his uh, in some shades. You know, not not necessarily Clark Kent because we're supposed to believe that they're two different people. You know, we're not supposed to see Batman as Batman in some shades walking down the street. Like it's you just have to keep. Things in kayfabe, certain certain things you just have to keep in kayfabe as long as we, see the, the public eye sees them. Sting and the Undertaker are two of those people, and making Sting a judge on Tough Enough would just be oh, it was as as the ultimate Sting mark. I don't know, you know, I there's probably people on my level, but I don't know someone who supersedes the markness that I have for Sting as far as all-time favorite wrestler, it would hurt my heart <laughs> to, to see to see Sting as a judge in some shades or without paint on Tough Enough every Tuesday. That would just be absolutely horrible. Michaels and Foley, you know, was my two uh, two two favorite uh, choices. I think I think Michaels or Foley, both Hall of Famers, would have been good. Luna Vachon and Sable absolutely is the correct answers. Ladies and gentlemen, let's get to Raw. You are now listening to the Pancakes and Power Slam Show by Crave Wrestling on Blog Talk Radio. Be sure to follow Crave Wrestling on Twitter at Crave Wrestling and join the Facebook fan page Crave Wrestling. So Raw was billed as being the night of first. First this, first that, Dean Ambrose versus The Big Show, Randy Orton versus Kevin Owens. I have much to say about why in the world did they book that match. We'll get to that in a little bit. And then you had some of them going four hours, which I'm a huge proponent of. Um, I think that that's a great idea uh, to do that. Because, you know, it's it's one of those things that we, we wait every year to have that WrestleMania feel when it comes to, to WWE pay-per-views. But it's it's good to, you know, have that type of feel twice a year, that, that WrestleMania spectacle feel twice a year, especially when they bill SummerSlam as being the, uh, the second biggest pay-per-view of the year. So, you know, I, I think that's a great idea. So I'm thinking, you know, as they... As they make that announcement, you know, I, I think I was hoping that, uh, you know, they'll say, okay, well, you know, it's it's only you know about three weeks left, you know, before they go home, you know, it's 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 crunch time, it's really time to to really buckle in and to make this, you know, to 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 make this survivors to make this SummerSlam memorable, to to really start building feuds right now, because. You know, one thing they did good with Battleground as far as Bray and Roman Reigns is that they built it at Money in the Bank. So they had five weeks to really build uh, the Bray Wyatt and Roman Reigns feud, and which is tried and true. If you have more time to build a feud, people will be more invested in it. 
And, you know, I was the one, I'll admit, I was very skeptical. Uh, I, I went to Money in the Bank. I was there. I was so upset that it, we didn't, you know, that we that I saw that. But at the end of the day, it was it was good. I was okay with it. You know, it didn't take me long uh, after very long. Well, the fact that I was sitting in club seats watching the uh, <laughs> the uh, Golden State Warriors uh, beat up on the Cavs um, that was that brought me some solace to the fact that Roman Reigns didn't win the Money in the Bank. But it, it helped it helped me realize that give Roman Reigns some more time. It's going to be okay. Build him up, organic build. It's working. Bray Wyatt's a good person to throw him to, you know, to have a feud with. I'm okay with it, and I'm glad that it's not a one-off feud too. That's actually why I had Wyatt winning at Battleground. That it's not a one-off feud. I think that's a good idea too. Keep this slow burn going with Roman Reigns. I think it's, I think it's good. You've, you're having time to build on the feud, but now with SummerSlam, the biggest pay-per-view that you're going to have. How many matches are solidified right now? How many matches are actually booked that they're actually having feuds with? Because on Money in the Bank, I think it was that night, either that night or the next Raw, they actually announced Roman Reigns versus Bray Wyatt at at uh, at Battleground. So that actually helps build the feud because we already know these two are going against each other. Now they're teasing uh, Rusev and Ziggler. They're teasing Kevin Owens and Cesaro, they're teasing the wide family involvement. They're you know, they're teasing Cena and Rollins, but give they're teasing Randy Orton and Sheamus again. Give me some set matches, book the matches already, book them now, and give us some time to get excited and, and get pumped and get these you know, and and build the feud and get us excited about the matches that you already have booked. And so with Raw, you know, they had the announcement about you know Survivor's about SummerSlam get uh, being four hours. You know, but you know John Cena comes and then they have their you know little thing with Cena and and Rollins and I'm like, man, the inevitable, the inevitable, the probable, the probable. This became the inevitable. It seems like we're going to see Cena and Rollins at SummerSlam, which I just totally, do, totally, totally do not want to see. Cena was doing so. I was telling a, a colleague of mine, you know, my, my disdain for Cena was in remission. Now it's full blown again. Why in the world would he be inserted? You already got the main event with Taker and Brock. You don't need Cena to cloud anything about the main event. Cena is going to be basically in the upper mid-card right now, so why not have an upper mid-card match? Basically, if we get Cena-Rollins, we're missing out on a very good U.S. title match. And you're building this open challenge every week since WrestleMania for the past five months almost. You're building five months of U.S. Open challenges just for us to – oh, I'm sorry, for four months. You've been doing it for, for four months. And so for the past four months, you've been doing all these open challenges just to have no payoff. You won all the matches. It just made you look good more than anybody else. 
which you don't need to look good, and there's no payoff to it. We don't see no match. It doesn't seem like they're doing any match at at SummerSlam, and it just makes it all worthless to me. It's ridiculous. Yeah, I, I, I really get what you're saying as far as that goes. Almost to me, it seems like SummerSlam could be like an end to you know, they're getting ready for the, the big stuff to happen. So they're going to dwindle down, make a head to all this little petty stuff that's been going on with Ziggler and Rusev. And, yeah. But you did bring up a good point about John Cena. I really didn't think a whole lot about that to where when, you know, with him against Seth Rollins, if they do that at SummerSlam, that's just going to totally, like you just said, put a big fork in the ground. I mean, that's that's disgusting. I don't want to see that because, again, John Cena is doing so well with the U.S. title. And, he said and if he goes up against another champion, Seth Rollins, it's it's just a, it's a raw match, a Monday Night Raw match. That's all that is. And they don't need that at SummerSlam. They need to make this the showcase that it should be. It hasn't been for a long time, I don't think. I think SummerSlam is kind of a dud, actually. Um, but there's a lot that can be done with it. And if they do it right, then great. Because, honestly, there's people going on that are just kind of jumping around. You know, you got the Reigns and uh, Bray Wyatt. Make that come to a head. You know, end it there. End it at SummerSlam. End the Reset and Ziggler SummerSlam. Kind of start a new slate going into fall and heading up into WrestleMania. With Brock Lesnar and Orton, uh, I just say Orton, The Undertaker being in there, that's just, that is your card. That is your main event. That's going to, that's going to draw it. That is going to draw the people into that. So make the other matches awesome. Just make things finally come to a head and get to a new slate and not start over, but, you know, you got enough talent there to do something with it. Absolutely. Uh, I, I, have to read. I have to read this this comment here. You, you didn't hear though, Chris. It was reported Cena wants new talent to be put over. It came out right after he buried Owens at Battleground. Oh, that's why the report came out. I get it. Thank you. So far, that's the quote of the that's that's the comment of the night. And I, you can't say him any much. You can't, you can't say any better. It's. It's one of those things that, and like I said, I reported based on the the, the Meltzer and, and uh, Alvarez uh, discussion that they were having as far as, you know, Vince panicking that uh, the merch was going down after after uh, Owens beat Cena at uh, at Elimination Chamber, and you know that which is which is insane to me, and it's just like. Right back a, a few years ago, Wade Barrett. Even before then, uh, you have Rusev, Bray Wyatt, and now Kevin Owens. Five, heck, even throw Dolph Ziggler in there, because I remember the uh, the, the Cena and Ziggler fuse they had, and so six mid Carters. Upper uh, mid carded upper mid carders, and he did not really put any of them over, not one. The best person I would you know arguably Ryback because he's been a champ. Bray Wyatt has not been a, a, a champ at all, and uh, Ryan pointed a very pointed out a very interesting stat. Other than Michael Tarver, Bray Wyatt is the only member of the Nexus that has not ever won a title. 
in the WWE as Husky, as, as Husky Harris and as Bray Wyatt. He's he's the only person other than Michael Tarver who was only there for a hiccup. The only person who's never won a title, a single title in the WWE that was a member of the Nexus. How about you chew on that stat for a little bit? And so basically, the bottom line is, Cena didn't put him over. They had a five-month feud, and Cena didn't put him over. Uh, I think him and Ziggler had like a three-month feud. He didn't put Ziggler over. Him and Rusev feuded from Royal Rumble to, uh, what, eliminate uh, Extreme Rules, four months, and put him over. And so it's like you're having all of these long feuds with all of these people, and you didn't. Uh, him and Ryback had like a three month feud. Didn't put him over. He ended up winning. So it's like it's just ridiculous, just never ending loop. That okay, who's the next person to get home run by by John Cena? And 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 it's and it's ridiculous. And it's like the more I think about it, the more I just lose respect for Cena. Like, you know, and I've heard people say, well, you know, he doesn't, he really can't control it. He really can't control it as far as, you know, he's just doing what, you know, Vince says. That is hog wash. That is, that is a bunch of bull crap. Because there's a former six time world champion by the name of Chris Jericho that people that put people over like, no disrespect, Evan Bourne, which I, I, I love Evan Bourne's work as Evan Bourne and as Matt Seidel in ROH currently. I love his work, but no payoff. Jericho just put him over for nothing, nothing at all. He's gone. I mean, just look at look, just look at the people that, that Jericho had to put over just for the heck of it. Shelton Benjamin, you know, Jericho put over Shelton Benjamin, uh, no longer there. Jericho put over John Morrison, no longer there. Jericho put over Fandango, might as well just say he's no longer there. So you have all these people that Jericho's putting over, but it's the exact opposite for Cena but people are trying to advocate and apologize for Cena saying he can't, he didn't have any control. It, bull crap. He he can tell he he can go into Vince and say, hey, I want this guy to be put over. This is the guy. This is this is the person that I see a lot in him, and I'm not going to bury him by have him have him lose three times in a row after Kevin Owens after he lost after he beat Cena at Elimination Chamber he lost three straight WWE network specials he lost he lost at Money in the Bank he lost at Beast in the East and he lost at Elimination at, at uh, extra, uh, um, Battleground so that's not putting someone over at all so it's just ridiculous. You can't, you can't, it doesn't fly for me. Saying Cena doesn't have a choice doesn't fly for me. If that's the case, Jericho had a choice, you know, not to, you know, put people like Shelton Benjamin. I mean, Shelton Benjamin, you know, he was a very strong mid-carder, but, you know, didn't have much charisma, and, and he wasn't, at the end of the day, he wasn't 
I was a I was a big Shelton Benjamin fan, you know, back in the day. As far as just he he, he his, I really wanted him to be ECW champion. I loved the ECW run they were doing with him, making him the gold standard. Great stuff. But Jericho put him over for no reason because the end result of Shelton Benjamin, unfortunately, was he's no longer there. Matt Seidel no longer there. John Morrison no longer there. I mean, it just doesn't make any sense that Jericho had to put these people over, but John Cena, on the other hand, not so much. It just doesn't make sense to me. Hey, that's uh, Yeah, I mean, that's the power of being the top guy. You can say what you want, but end result is, I mean, Cena, obviously, he does have say in everything. Often had say. I mean, they all, Vince McMahon, Triple H, whoever's going to listen to their talent. Triple H had the same thing when he was with the click. Right? It was, and even on his own, it was, the top guy has their say, and you're totally right about Cena coming out and being all happy-go-lucky. I'm here for the business and the fans, and you know, he's there for his own benefit. He's there to make himself look as good as long as he can, and he's obviously doing a good job of it because that's all he does is John Cena. I mean, nobody can be greater than John Cena. He won't let that happen, and that's the way it was with Hogan and the way it was with Michaels and so on, and even Bret Hart, so... Great comment here. Jericho world title resume is too short for the talent he had when guys like Cena have 15 reigns and Jericho has six and some of them booked as jokes. I seriously cringe. I cannot, I'm sorry. That's number one right now as far as comment of the night because I, that is well said because I mean, Jericho can run circles around John Cena, and Jericho's Jericho's one of the biggest John Cena apologists. And you know, I, as far as his work ethic, I get it. I respect Cena for his work ethic. I, I even respect Cena for the uh, for 2015. I mean, I will say this: 2015 has hands down been John Cena's best wrestling year ever. I mean, I, there's no disputing that at all. He's really went out there and, and, and put in some work when it came to actually wrestling. He's still awkward. I mean, I've said that before. You know, you, you can't really put a lot of moves in your resume if all of them still look awkward and poorly executed. But at least he's trying. At least he's putting some more effort and and actually putting together good wrestling matches. And so, I you know, I appreciate that. But the same, but the same time, it's like you know, come on now. Jericho's Jericho's world title, Jericho's longest world title reign, if I'm not mistaken, was from his first one when he won it uh, December. I think Vengeance was at December for a year or two, or maybe because um, they took away Armageddon, I think, because of I think the whole 9/11 thing, and so. Uh, Vengeance was in December. Jericho won in December of 2001. Lost at WrestleMania 18 against Triple H. Uh, that was uh, what? That was actually March 17th of 2002. So he had it for about three months. Uh, that was I think that was his longest world title reign. And I'm sure that uh, you know all the people who are listening. Uh, throughout the, all, all the avenues, they can they can verify that or prove me wrong. But if I'm not mistaken, out of the six reigns that he had, the longest was three months from 
Armageddon to WrestleMania. I know the one that he had when he beat Taker, he won it at the Hell in a Cell, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Elimination Chamber, I mean. Elimination Chamber. So that was right before Mania. That was February. And he beat Edge at Mania. And then he lost to Edge the next month, if I'm not mistaken. So that was two months. So I think that was his, I think three months was his longest uh, title reign, if I'm not mistaken. So it was ridiculous. Yep. Uh, yeah, it was in, it, this comment says November, but it, but it was uh, it was in December. It was the same year that he beats, uh, it was the same the same month that he beats uh, Austin and Rock the same night. That was December of 2001. That was his long that was his uh, longest reign. Um, just just ridiculous. So, yep, it's December ninth, two thousand one. Thank you for uh, that. Thank you for that uh, accuracy there. So yeah, it was just just ridiculous that they out of six reigns, his longest one is three months, and I think Cena's longest one is what fourteen months. Uh, well, what eleven months was it? Uh, I think it was like oh six or oh. Seven, oh six or oh seven. He beat like Kali. He beat Bobby Lashley. Uh, he just went to Triple H. He just went down the gamut of beating different people. I mean, Bobby Lashley's another one. You know, he went against Bobby Lashley. He didn't put him over. Uh, Bobby Lashley lost against him. And so, yeah. I mean, I think. Uh, let me know. I mean, let me know as far as the the accurate uh, number on that, as far as how long Cena kept it. But I think it was eleven months, either eleven or twelve months. And I think he the only reason why he lost it is because he became injured, if I'm not mistaken. And that was the time that he came back and won the uh, the Royal Rumble. So I think it was '07 when he had that long reign, got injured. That's when I think when he tore his pec. And then he came back like two months later, two or three months later, at Royal Rumble and won it that year. So if I, I need some verification on that, but uh, let me let me know um, how, how much how much was it uh, exactly? All right. So after that, we get Charlotte versus Brie Bella. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. We get um, Big Show versus Dean Ambrose. I actually liked how this match was booked. I wasn't a big. I think Raw was uh, was flat for for the most of the time uh, throughout the night. But I I actually liked how this match was booked. I liked how the fact that uh, I don't know what they're doing for Big Show. I suppose that they're making him look good for Ryback. Um, I, I suppose that that's the reason why Big Show actually won the match. But at the same time, they really they really protected Ambrose. I like how they protected Ambrose in the match. I still, you know, I'd imagine that they're protecting him to make him look better and make him look good for one of the biggest, one of the feature moments of uh, of SummerSlam potentially, uh, especially if Sting gets involved. What, what it's looking like is uh, the Wyatt family against uh, Team uh, Ambrose. And uh, and Stinger, so uh, that would be one of the features of, of SummerSlam. So, uh, you know, protecting Ambrose for that purpose is really good. Having a count out, you know, having him jump, you know, to to the ring, almost making it a ten, in spite of taking a knockout punch, was good. Him 
you know, coming, him trying to get up and sitting down, and he gets up, Big Show, you know, charges him, tries to spear him. He, you know, he uh, sidesteps and, and, and actually gets the, the last lap. So I think that was a really good way to protect Dean Ambrose, and that's probably one of the best booking decisions that they've done for him for quite some time. Yeah, he's looking good last night. And, again, they need to keep him relevant because, I mean, again, he's the talent that WWE should have on the roster. And whether they know what to do with him or not after getting off this, you know, two pay-per-view high of being main event, they got to keep him in the mix. Same thing with Big Show. He's got to look decent. Going up against, I mean, his best Big Show can look against Ryback. So, I mean, it was a good match starting everything off. So, typical. It was great. And, um uh, there's a lot. Ambrose can produce so much, I believe, and hopefully WWE just realizes that keeps him around. And uh, Big Show is always just going to be Big Show, but the whole countdown thing was a good idea. So it was, it, again, like you said, just protected both of them, kept them relevant on the flame, and uh, you know, take it from here and see what happens. Yep, absolutely. And next question on the map is. Dun, 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 dun. Who were the members of the East-West Connection? Who were the members of the East-West Connection? <clears throat> All right. So next we have uh, Neville defeating Fandango. Your boy, man. What, what, what's going on? What's going on with your boy? I don't know what's going on with Fandango. Uh, he, I, I, I don't even, I don't even think he played the heel last night. He was just there because he's been a babyface for for a little bit, and you know, feuding with Adam Rose for for a bit, and so it looks like they have absolutely nowhere to put him. He doesn't have any, you know, he's he, him and Adam Rose, and I said this before, him and hit him, him and Adam Rose have the official jobber entrance. It's one of those, like, you know, you had, you, you formerly had, like, Howard Finkel, you know, coming to the ring, weighing 459 pounds, Yokozuna, and then, and currently in the ring from Timbuktu, Michigan, Tim White. So it's like, it's like Adam Rose and Fondango, Fissy has the jobber introductions, and it's unfortunate uh, because, you know, Fandango had a little bit of buzz with the whole Fandangoing, and Adam Rose actually is very talented. I like Adam Rose, but speaking of stock, I mean, my stock is pretty much done with him. Um, he has so much potential. You're going to use so much. You're going you're gonna to have an ESPN special on the guy just for him to basically be a jobber. I mean, there you know, there's talks of him going back to his Leo Kruger gimmick and uh, becoming a member of the Wyatt family, which I think would be a fantastic idea, but it hasn't happened yet. So until then, we have to have – we don't even have Rosebuds anymore, and we have, you know, uh, Rosa Mendez giving uh, – she's the diva of death because every time <laughs> – or the valet of death – because, you know, she doesn't have any type of success rate with managing tag teams. Yes, she was the manager of uh, Primo and Epico when they were tag team champs, but Primo and Epico, fantastic talent, 
but really boring tag team champions. And so her uh, managing them and all the other people that uh, Rosa Mendez managed, you know, no success rates really. And definitely Adam Rose is proving to be one of those people. So uh, what what's what's left for Fandango, Derek? That's your boy, man. How are you going to save him from this burial that he's receiving? Fandango has no burial. He's won some just so I'm going to hear that much. I was reading an article today that he's doing all right for dark matches. WWE just needs to figure out why can't we make this guy awesome. He also he obviously does it on his own. He's got the technique. He's got the skill. They just they push him to the side. I mean, he's that's what Kevin. What's going to happen with Kevin Owens now? He's in that same boat where they have their high point, and they just don't know what to do with him. And the same thing with Adam Rose. I'm just, I mean, Fondango, obviously, he's my guy. I love Fondango. I've got his T-shirt. Don't tell anybody that. Pancakes Power Slam fans, you see me wearing his T-shirt, give me a high five, and keep on moving. But uh, Derek, uh, Derek, you're very familiar with the stats. We reach tens of thousands of people every week, and uh, by you saying don't tell nobody is the same thing that I've just told about 10,000 people. So, All right. Well, anyway, yeah. Fondango's got his—he's got his ahead of him. So, well, uh, we'll keep you informed. I'll, uh, I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it. I'm his, I'll be his publicist, and he's going to reach places. Yeah, you—you you let me know about that. He'll probably be—you know—book him as Johnny Curtis and GFW. You know, go back to the Johnny Curtis uh, days, and you know, here's a, here's the thing about Fondango. I see, I see as uh, the same amount of potential. And Fandango, as I uh, as I do in EC3, you know they have a similar look. You know they they both were buried in in WWE. Derek Bateman was just a horrible gimmick, and they were just trying to do something with him in NXT, and just didn't work. And if you drop the whole Fandango thing, have him go somewhere else, you know, be a headliner or something like you know. Just give him a gimmick overhaul, you know, for the the life that TNA has. And by the way, let me short sidebar here. Why in the world is TNA showing full Slammiversary matches that someone actually had to pay for that on pay-per-view? Last week they showed uh, the Wolves and uh, the Dirty Heels. This week they – well, the couple weeks ago they showed that, and then last week they showed uh, the actual King of the Mountain match. I'm thinking in my head, like, I would be livid if I actually paid my money to watch Slammiversary, and you're actually showing it on TV. You know, it just that just goes to show how desperate TNA is at this point, it's, it's, and it's so sad that they would actually show two of their marquee matches that people had to actually pay for in pay-per-view on, you know, weekly TV. Just it's it's just sad and it's desperate and it's pointless and it's really unfortunately it's just really showing the direction of TNA in the future. I I know some people who worked and work for TNA and I talk with them and I I've got some some inside sources of people in TNA as well, and, you know, I'll just say this much. 
don't be surprised to see some more release news, you know, coming out. I'll, I'll say that. Uh, I'm I'm not going to break them yet, but at the same time, you know, I'm not I'm not going to break the news yet. But just just don't be surprised if you see more coming up in uh, more coming up in the in the very very near future. You know, people are just trying. It's like it's a it's like it's a big wave and people are needing to get, you know, some type of shelter away from it. It's just, it's sad. It really is. And playing actual major pay-per-view matches, I mean, there's no way in the world that the WWE would, would, you know, show a Money in the Bank match, you know, on Raw. And, And in its entirety, they would show a Money in the Bank match. No way in the world they would do that. The only time the WCW did, I remember, is when they had the blackout, and I think it was DDP versus Goldberg for the for the uh, WCW Heavyweight Championship, and the subscribers in the pay per view. Uh, it was uh, it was an overrun, I believe, is what it was because and because of the overrun, they did the mat. They they showed the match uh, on. On net on nitro, uh, but that was, I mean, it was it made sense of why, you know, because the people couldn't watch it, so it, it made sense of why they showed it the next night. Uh, however, just Halloween havoc. There you go. Absolutely. Thank thank you for that uh, fantastic stat there. I love people who who know their wrestling. I've said that before. I absolutely love that. Yep, Halloween havoc. It was an overrun, and they played it the night. Uh, they played it. They, they, they did the match uh, at the Nitro, and it makes sense, absolutely. So, yeah, but you're you're playing, but 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 you're airing a match in its entirety, just doesn't make sense. Yeah, Hernandez. Yeah, he's and they got the Ultima Lucha coming on uh, Lucha Underground this week, uh, so that should be pretty cool. Hernandez going against Drago, so that should be a fun match to see. So, I, I mean. You know, I understand that Lucha Underground, you know, they they had stuff taped ever since April, uh, and they're going to have uh, a Lucha Underground champion who I actually know who it is, but I'm not going to spoil it for anyone. But uh, Lucha Underground champion is going to be uh, crowned next week in Lucha Underground. So it's but it, but it's interesting. It's a very interesting um, concept, a very interesting company, and I'm just wondering why Hernandez would want to even come back to TNA as much as they, you know, I'm sure he needed some bookings because Lucha Underground's not quite, there hasn't been any announcement confirming that they're having a second season yet. And, you know, basically they're really out of work because the tapings have been, they've been gone for, you know, the tapings have been done for months, you know, for Lucha Underground. So they're not wrestling every week. They still have to, except, you know, indie promotions and indie bookings. So it just makes sense probably, you know, Hernandez needed a paycheck, so he went to TNA, but as many times he came and gone from there, I, I, it's like a dog returning to it. It's vomit, no disrespect. Um, there's uh, MVP convinced him to come back. Uh, makes sense. It, it, make, it makes sense, but I... I yeah, I totally, it totally still didn't work because he was there for one day, and and, and got had had to leave because of uh, 
Lucha Underground still being online, I, you know, still being on the air now, Ray Network. So TNA, you know, like I said, I interviewed people from TNA. You know, I've interviewed many people from TNA here on the show. I interviewed Elijah Burke, you know, who who announces on TNA. Uh, Eli, Eli Drake, Crimson, you know, you name it. You know, there, I've interviewed quite a bit of people uh, from TNA here on the show, but it's like, man, it's it's sad to see the direction that TNA is going. And as far as GFW is concerned, they had a pretty good turnout uh, in their Las Vegas taping. So, you know, hopefully that's a step in the right direction. If 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 GFW was on TV, Derek, would you watch it? Yeah, I would definitely give it a shot. I gave TNA a shot. You know, it wasn't when they first debuted a few years later or a while later, but yeah, I would definitely give it a shot. Why not? I mean, I like to watch wrestling. I love Marine Navarre, NXT, so I'll definitely give it a shot. Keeps me hooked, great, and it's not, you know, I'll give it a shot. I love wrestling. That's it. Indeed. East West Connection is indeed Adrian Adonis and Jesse. The body, Ventura. Next question, ladies and gentlemen, is who did Chris Jericho beat at Royal Rumble 2002 to retain his undisputed championship? Who did Chris Jericho defeat at Royal Rumble 2002 to retain his undisputed championship? GFW should be amped, quote unquote, about those numbers. Very, very excellent pun there. Next, we have Sasha Banks defeating Paige. Uh, yeah, man, I, I'm, I'm a fan of this. Totally a fan. My my stock on Paige is diminishing by the by the second. And Sasha Banks, I've been a fan of Sasha Banks for a while. Um, I, I, I want to jeer her because she's a heel and she's she's good, but her as a athlete is fantastic. She's she's young, she's you know, she's just as young as as Paige is. She has so much potential, you know, being in her early twenties, so much you know, just imagine, you know, you've got a you've got at least fifteen years of Sasha Banks and Paige. Uh, you know, and, and that's 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 best for business right there, especially uh, Sasha Banks. Uh, Becky Lynch is a little older. I think Becky Lynch is 28. Uh, I think Charlotte's 28 or 29. Um, 27. Bailey's 20. 28. Wait. Yes, yeah, she's yeah 20 26. 26 or 28. One of those. So yeah, they're all in their 20s and they all um got a lot you know there's a lot of time. There's a lot of time left. But I'll tell you what, man, if based on her uniqueness and peculiarity, team Becky Lynch all the way for me, man. I I you know, I liked I liked the 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 um the the goggles that she's wearing, you know, the toxic type of goggles, the uh uh, you know the the uh, nuclear goggles, so to speak, with the, with the you know she was kind of blonding her hair, you know NXT special. It was red and it kind of she kind of blonded it out and it was, didn't look good. But the orange look looks good. And she has the the nuclear look to her and I, I lo I've liked Becky Lynch for for a while and 
I really think that Becky Lynch is could have a really really good future uh, in, in in the uh, WWE. So I'm 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 they, uh, yes definitely. The Rock is the correct answer. Great job. But yeah, Sasha Banks, the boss, all all for it, and I think it's a great idea. And side sort sidebar, Paige being a host on the Stone Cold podcast. Again, that's a head scratcher. I have no idea why they would choose Paige. And I'm just thinking in my head again, if you want, and I understand the whole Divas Revolution thing, give Divas a chance, blah, blah, blah. But again, Natalia would have been a better guest, for one. And then for two, to be honest with you, the Bella Twins would have been a, a really good guest uh, specifically Nikki Bella, because I know for a fact that Stone Cold, uh, with his very hard-hitting interview style, he don't care about you know holding you know holding punches when it comes to you know interviewing uh, Nikki Bella. I'm sure John Cena would come up. I'm sure. Do you think that you're getting this push because you know you're dating John Cena? I'm sure those things would come up. So Nikki Bella would have been a good. Yeah, uh, interview if you had, I mean, of course, you know, it's supposed to be Hogan, and Hogan is not, uh, you know, <laughs> of course Hogan's not going to be an interview anymore, so out of Hogan, you do Paige, and uh, even Daniel Bryan would have been a better better uh, person to interview, but if you wanted to, if you wanted to interview someone as far as a diva's concerned, I'm thinking, you know, Lita would have been good, but I'm sure she has her tough enough stuff. Trish would have been good. You know, I think Trish would have been a really good interview for Diva. Alundra Blaze, she just got inducted in the Hall of Fame. You know, that would have been good, too. So, I mean, I'm thinking, my, you know, <laughs> uh, Bray Wyatt says, you know, anyone but you, Roman. Anyone but you. I'm thinking, like, anyone but you, Paige. Anyone but you. You know what? The Divas division, we complain about it a lot, and it's got its upturns, its downturns. I'm really thinking about it. Get into wrestling. They're on the WWE roster. They've been doing it for, they're in their mid-late 20s, probably started like right after high school, so they've got a good seven years behind them. actually want to be there and be a wrestler. The Divas, in their early 20s, they're fitness models. They are cheerleaders. They are not wrestlers. And that's why I just I, I cringe to see these page twenty two years old, and all these other ones in their early twenties. They're not there. They're not passionate about wrestling, and it shows. It shows so bad. It's so hard for me to get behind the Divas division. It always will be as long as they have me. Alondra Blaze actually looked like she cared. Wendy Richter looked like she cared. She wanted to wrestle and be there. Not the most beautiful people in the world, but I see that's the way the world is today. But again. You can't expect much from a 22-year-old, a fitness model at best. Yeah, and Paige, she's got wrestling heritage and a family, but that doesn't make her great wrestler at 22 years old. And that was my rant for the night, ladies and gentlemen. But that's why the Divas division just sucks. And it, it can have its highs, it can have its lows, which it is most of the time. Like, what do you think, Chris? 
anyone but you, Paige. Anyone but you. <laughs> that's that's how I feel, man. And, and I agree with you because you know you you made a really good point as far as the heritage is concerned because you know Paige was NXT champ. You know she's two time Divas champ. She's got some lineage in her in her wrestling family. But if you really, I mean, let's be honest here. If you if you really pay attention to Paige's matches, it's not it's not excellent. She doesn't have excellent matches. If you, for those who still have Raw on their DVR, watch that Paige versus Sasha Banks match. Paige missed a lot of spots, and they were just calling spots on the fly. And they, you know, there were sometimes that they didn't know what the heck to do next. I remember one time when uh, Sasha Banks was on the ropes and they didn't know what the heck to do, and uh, Paige just pulled her leg down and got her in like uh, a modified kind of like STF type of thing. It was it, it was it was just really weird. They didn't even know what to do. They were just calling spots and missing spots, and specifically Paige was. Um, so you know Sasha Banks was it was like the student teaching the teacher and and I've seen that a few, I've seen that a few times too I've seen her against Nikki Bella and Naomi miss some spots and I've seen her just kind of you know tuck her head down and kind of call the spots and just kind of you know get kind of lost uh, in a match and I'm like come on now you're the you're you're the judge on tough enough what you're acting like you're ten years younger than what you really are, which only makes you twelve, which you know still shows how young you are. It shows the fact that you, Paige, have a lot of maturity to do, but you weren't about other, you know, other contestants maturing. You, you've got the maturity to do, buddy. And three, I mean, you don't, you don't have a necessarily impressive tra- track record, yet you beat A.J. Lee, you know, your first night because people knew you from NXT and you were making some noise down there. I mean, I'm not going to take away your ability and your, you know, the charisma that you have. Uh, you know, it, that's good. But, hey, you know, don't, don't you know, my, 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 grand, my great-grandma used to say, my grandma used to say, you know, don't, both, both of them are past. Don't get too big for your britches now, you know, <laughs> and that's that's basically how I feel with Paige. Don't don't get too big for your your, your britches, Paige, and, and you never know. And as we've seen from Hulk Hogan, and nobody's spot is ever secured in the WWE. Nobody's spot is ever secured. Cena can have an argument about that, but <laughs> on the for the most part, nobody's spot is secured. Like I said, yes, The Rock is the correct answer. Great job. Hogan's movie. What year did No Holds Barred come out in theaters? What year did No Holds Barred come out in theaters? And a part A of that question is, what was his name? And no holes barred. 1989, absolutely. You may not know who you are inside. When life gives you the test. That was one of my favorite movie theme songs ever. Rip, absolutely. Let it rip. And yeah, just no holes barred was uh, one of my favorite 
movies, period. And it's so funny, you know, nearly nearly 25 years later, in hindsight, I just realized how awful that movie was. It was it was absolutely awful. it was absolutely awful. It just oh man, just just a really B-rated looking, you know, uh movie and it's it, the 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 funny part is how bad the movie was, you know, realizing that 25 years later. As a kid, I was like, you know, hey, no holds barred is the way to go. Take me to the theater. So I remember my my late my late uncle uh took my brother and I to 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 no holds barred. We were in elementary school and um I don't know, third, fourth grade, something like that. And yeah, we we we, we watched No Holds Barred and there you go. We 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 were hooked. We were hooked and let let it rip and then, you know, Rip thinks the world. Like just, you know, as far as Zeus and him being the villain and just twisting people's heads and I remember when I was a kid, I was I was I liked Zeus. I had the little metal plates and played the played Zeus and the, the more the villain role for some reason. I guess I was more the heel. But yeah, those those were some good memories as far as uh, Rip and and, and No Holds Bar in nineteen eighty nine. Next trivia question, ladies and gentlemen, who was the first? Who was the first ECW heavyweight champion? Who was the first ECW heavyweight champion? All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, <laughs> Suburban Commando. Yikes! That's a uh, that was yeah that was worse than No Holds Barred. Next we next we have Rusev and Lana in ring promo interrupted by uh, excuse me uh, Rusev and uh, Summer Rae in-ring promo interrupted by Lana and then you know they they do the whole um uh dog Ziggler which was pretty funny and the fish and then Lana comes in and you know slaps Rusev and smears some of face and the dead fish I will say this though now I liked Rusev as the you know didn't say much I hate America heel thing, and I and I kept saying that he, I I compared him to Nikita Koloff, which uh, was still a pretty good comparison. But I, I will say this: I think that Rusev's character is developing fairly. I'm not a huge fan of it, but the transition from you know I hate America to you know more of Lana, you know, it's you know, it's concentrated on Lana. I think that that's a good way to transition out of the anti-American thing. He still says "you Americans," which still, you know, keeps the essence of his gimmick and his character. But at the same time, his character isn't all revolved around "I'm coming here to destroy America," which is good. I think it was good. I think it was reaching an expiration date. Um, and I think that they did a good transition of, you know, just the, uh, I, at first I was like, man, why is he on crutches and crying to Lana? But I think that that adds some more layers to the Rusev character, and I think it's good. I like the fact that he's wearing boots now. I actually reported that, um, that he was going to start wearing shoes uh, because of his ankle injury. 
which makes sense. Um, I'm sure that's much better for him from a wrestling standpoint. I remember when I interviewed Tyler Rex, and he said that uh, he hated wrestling in, with his bare feet because it was it hurt it hurt so badly. Um, so I'm sure that Rusev, you know, probably got a bunch of calluses and because it hurts. But I'm sure wrestling in boots uh, helps him. So I'm okay with the layers that we're seeing in Rusev's character. Unfortunately, I really see a ceiling in his character now because of John Cena. Yeah, I mean, he's been, he's another one of those, you know, Kevin Owens, Fondango-looking guys. It's, it's a shame, but again, this is fine. It's such a transition that it seems to come out and I hate America, and now he's, you know, with dead fish and puppies and and it was just kind of silly to me over and I don't, I don't see Rusev in that really silly position. And I mean, it's kind of destroying the character a bit for me. I mean, he's always going to have this, you know, he'll come back and be big and tough, you know, kind of like Mark Henry or like a Kane or Big Show where they're, you know, they show their soft side and they start crying and sobbing and then they uh, come out and destroy and still end up losing. But anyway... That's how I kind of see Rusev going right now. It's just kind of he's a soft character and doesn't really have a whole lot to give. Yeah. What manager was known as the Doctor of Style? What manager was known as the Doctor of Style? Slick. <laughs> yeah. Slick. You just couldn't. You just. You just couldn't. I haven't that done that in a long time. I have not done that in a long time. I had you, to. You you have it, but yeah, you just couldn't keep you just couldn't keep that one to yourself. Yes, it was it was slick. All right, but don't say this one. What was Slick's theme song called? What was Slick's theme song called? Lucha Dragons against Lost Metadores. Looks like they're going to do a uh, Fatal Four Way uh, with this. That's with uh, this SummerSlam. I'll tell you what, man. The good thing, good thing for the new day, is that uh, the the cheesiness and the over, they're very saccharine. Their character is very saccharine, and just just the the over animation of their character is making them still relevant. I think it's so funny when their music comes out, just the skipping and just the you know round the world you know, clapping that they do, holding signs up for Kofi Kingston as being the real father of the year. Oh, my goodness. That's absolutely, that's incredibly funny. Absolutely amazing. And when they came out, I had to laugh. It was funny. I giggled. And I think the fact, you know, one of my colleagues, he said, you know, I just want to hate the New Day, but I can't. Like, and that's, that's, I think he speaks for a lot of people. As far as I just want to dislike the New Day, but I can't. I've been a fan of the New Day from day one. I, you know, subscribe to iTunes, listen to the previous episodes of Pancakes and Power Slams. You will see and read my tweets too at Crave Wrestling. I have been a fan of New Day since day one, and and Derek can attest to this as well. Even in their cheesy babyface run, I I'm like just hold on, they're going to be good. And they've shown it. The fact that they've lost the tag team titles was absolutely ridiculous. But at the same time, they're they're rebounding. They're 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 just. It's like you you can't bury the new day. 
they can lose every week and still people can be upset about it, but they can say something that's really cheesy or do something that's really cheesy the next week and people will chuckle. And the fact, like I said before, that last month and uh, this this past month, actually uh, in Battleground and at Money in the Bank, both of the, both of them, they were saying New Day sucks. Chance and on the pre-show before they even came out, long before New Day came out or was even in sight, the Chance were still going. So. They're working. New Day is still alive, and uh, hey, if for some reason if you wanted to take those belts off a of New Day to put them put them back on the team at SummerSlam, so be it. But there's no fight, and the New Day is the best team around. There's no fight, ladies and gentlemen. I can contest that Chris Featherstone loved the New Day before everybody else did. Well, with that, they needed the New Day to come out to make a Lucha Dragons and Lost Matadors match relevant because it's no one really cares about these teams anymore for for whatever reason. I mean, they're exciting to watch, but they're not. It's what is it? What is it with these two teams? That I mean, they have a lot of excitement, high flyers. They do all the Lucha Libre, yada yada yada. But still, it just doesn't appeal to us as much. But the New Day actually saved that and made that a good... It's the same thing with primetime players coming out, because that's who they're feuding with, obviously. So, New Day needs to have the belts on them. They need to continue being the New Day. But for whatever reason, WWE looks differently. But again, they made that match something... They made it better than what Lucha Dragons and Lost Matadors could have done on their own. Yeah, absolutely. I I totally agree with that. How much did Dino Bravo bench press? How much did what was his what was his uh, his max? Or, and it was aired on on TV. So it's a two part question. What event was it? And who actually? Let's make this difficult for you. Everybody's getting all of these questions right. They look like I've stumped people. What event was it? How much was that he bench press, and who spotted him? What event? How much was the bench press, and who spotted him? All right, ladies and gentlemen, we got Bray Wyatt, Luke Harper, in ring promo. I I was expecting something to come out of this. I was disappointed to be honest with you, because I was really expecting a new member to be unveiled. I know that they're kind of dragging it along, but like I said, I mean, you just you just don't want to pop Sting up from, you know, the, the last week or the last two weeks. That just doesn't make sense. You need to build. I mean, the, the, it's built around Taker and Lesnar, but you have to build SummerSlam around Sting too. It just doesn't make any sense at all for you to just pop Sting up the last week or two weeks before SummerSlam, and he's been gone since WrestleMania. Just uh, he's been gone nearly four months, and you just pop him up like, oh, Sting, yeah, horrible, horrible way to to do that to really plug someone with the caliber of Sting. Sting should have been you, you. What you need to do is the same way that Sting was doing against Triple H. I think I loved the Sting Triple H build because it kept the mystique of Triple uh, of Sting. 
you know, it 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 was it was kind of WCW esque as far as the sing sightings and when he was in the rafters, you know, that really worked. And it worked when they were we didn't see Sting every week, so he still had the mystique in him. And the way that they were building Sting was fantastic. Sting and Bray Wyatt, ladies and gentlemen, come on now. This doesn't make any sense at all for you to just pop Sting up and there you go. It just it needs a way better build than this. I mean, this Raw would be less than four weeks out uh, this coming Raw. Sting has to be on this week's Raw, and and we don't want to see him every week either. So we have to see him on this week's Raw and probably most likely in the go-home Raw, this week's Raw, the go-home Raw, and maybe one in between those. And if you would have started back from the pay-per-view, the night after the pay-per-view, you don't have to just kind of, you know, just kind of cluster him in consecutive roles because we want to see that mystique. We we don't want to see Sting every week because we want to see him keep that mystique. And it's just it's it's just a really poor way to insert Sting in this feud. Well, yeah, it is, and I'm not too sure that even Sting's going to be at SummerSlam because again, I think WWE, for lack thereof, is smart enough to know that they have to build this guy. Maybe SummerSlam, who knows? They've got The Undertaker on SummerSlam, or sorry, Survivor Series. They've got The Undertaker on SummerSlam, and that's pretty much, to me, that's all they need to really sell this event. They don't need Sting on there as well. So, I mean, I agree they're going to use Sting eventually, but I think SummerSlam, again, like you said, it's just it's too soon right now. And just to give us a heaping teeth or a tablespoonful of sting before the pay-per-view is coming up here in a couple weeks, just doesn't make sense. I think it would be best for them not to use sting at SummerSlam. Maybe some Survivor Series, the Royal Rumble even. But, uh, again, the undertaking Brock Lesnar is enough to make people want to watch SummerSlam, so don't, don't crowd sting in there when he can take the showcase, you know, pay-per-view or two later. I agree, and you know it's getting to the point where, and you know, and these comments are, are, are correct. There's actually reports going out that uh, that Sting, you know, actually may not even be at SummerSlam after all. And you know, to be honest with you, I'm to the point where, you know, it's it's okay if we don't see that. I I don't want to see Harper, and I don't want to see Harper and Wyatt against against Reigns and Ambrose. I just, I, I, I don't, I think that that is, for some reason, that's just lacking something to me. Like, you you already did a singles match. Now you're doing a tag match at SummerSlam. It just, no, it, it's lacking zest to me. There is lacking a layer. And, and Sting being a part of it would, would help. But I, it just, there's something about that tag team match that it was it'll be a good match, but it really doesn't have any payoff. Like if Sting was involved, it would make sense because it would be a payoff. Sting's coming to save the day. Blah blah. The vigilante is what they call him actually in WWE. So this would be a vigilante opportunity. Uh, but at the same time, you know, it's to the point where booking him in this way, not so much. So. 
All right, we got uh, Becky Lynch and Charlotte defeating uh, Lisa Fox and Nikki Bella. Good job. Uh, good good uh, match there. Again, I don't see the answer. What event? How much was uh, was the weight that he lifted and who spotted him? Randy Orton defeating Kevin Owens by DQ. Uh, simply put, Derek, why in the world did they book this match? They could this, this is a money match. Why would they book this match? Their quote-unquote first match together against each other. Why in the world would they book it on some random role? I, I was at the same thing. I mean, this is a match that they could easily put on a pay-per-view. They're not SummerSlam, but what's after SummerSlam? I, Halloween Havoc? I don't know. I can't remember. Yeah, Halloween but Havoc. It, <laughs> not, not of champions. Yeah, not of champions. Uh, I, it, was, it wasn't even... The match was okay, but it could have been such a higher caliber if they would have had a build behind it. It was just something that seems like this threw together. We got Randy Orton in the locker room. We got Kevin Owens. Let's see what they can do. But they can actually put on an and after, not that the match was horrible, but they need they could have a story behind each other. I mean, this could be something that could help them. Even though Kevin Owens getting off, you know, being destroyed by John Cena three times in a row, but to the effect Randy Orton needs somebody to wrestle with as well. That would be a perfect pair. And it was just kind of they threw it in there and. You know, I saw the headline, oh, they're going to be wrestling tonight. Okay, that's kind of interesting. But, again, there's no, there's nothing for me to chew on other than when they go to the ring and do their thing. So, I mean, it was good. Maybe it can be a start to a good feud. Who knows? But it was already like they already had their match, so we know, you know, what's after this. Yeah, no build, no anticipation, no slow burn. Just doesn't make any sense at all. And then, oh, the worst part of the night and this is why Chris Featherstone is a de facto Seth Rollins advocate, not a fan, but an advocate. I'm I'm totally team Seth Rollins when it comes to Seth Rollins and Jeff and and John Cena. I have no idea why they're putting this together. Great comment. You know, New Day lost the titles because they ruined Cena's merchandise sales. There you go. Absolutely. Nominee for comment of the night. And so, yeah, I, I, it just doesn't make any sense that you would insert John Cena. But what makes it even worse is that you allow the bookers thought for some odd reason that a good idea was to have Seth Rollins tap on Raw when he's vying for the U.S. championship. He's the world champion vying for the U.S. championship, and he loses to to the U.S. champion via tap-out. Please help me understand, Derek, how in the world is there any logic to that? There's no logic to it. I'm almost thinking maybe it was, which you might have heard something by now, that you know he broke his nose, obviously, and they're like, all right, we got to end this now. Whatever ending they may have had, just, you know, just get Cena out of there. They don't want Cena bleeding all over the ring. PG. So maybe it was one of those things that it's the last minute, you know, Cena's hurt, let's get him out of there. We need to protect him or we do Rollins. Or, uh, you know, Rollins, obviously. Other than that, it makes no sense. There was no reason for him to tap. It's, that was not horrible. If that's what they originally had booked, then shame on you, WWE, because you make Rollins just look like the pussyfoot that he is, just being out there whining and crying and and I'm, I love Rollins. I didn't care for him at much, but over the weeks and months, it's, he's built his own brand. 
But for him tapping to that, there has to be something that there's got to be an explanation other than that's how he booked it. That's horrible booking. Whoever booked it should be fired. It is now time for the flavor of the week. All right, Derek, give me 90 seconds of how you feel about Hulk Hogan. Hulk Hogan is the American hero. I love Hulk Hogan. I always will. I've got his figures from when I was in elementary school all the way up until Recently, I, I love Hulk Hogan. I love his paraphernalia. paraphernalia. That's it. I love his stuff. I love his uh, brand, what he's built. I mean, if you look back at that time when the video was taken or recorded, he was in a horrible time with divorce. His son was just about ready to be shipped off to prison. His daughter abandoned him, it seemed like, because you know, he didn't do enough for her music uh, career. And the guy said, at his lowest point, of his life, he just, anger takes over your emotions, hatred takes over your emotions, you say things you wouldn't normally say, he was confiding in somebody that he thought was his friend or whatever it was, and it got out. You know, I, I can't put that against him, I can't, I've heard somebody earlier, well, a few days ago, compared to Christmas Wall, there's no way, Hulk Hogan did not hurt anybody, he did not kill anybody. He he verbally abused his right, I, and it's, it sucks. He should not say that thing, especially, he just shouldn't. And that's horrible. I can understand why the WWE wants to kind of distance himself from him. But to me, that doesn't define who Hulk Hogan is. It doesn't define, you know, this, all the make-a-wish foundation things he's done. I mean, obviously the guy's not a racist because... He's done so much for wrestling business where so many mixed cultures, and he's done so much that you just can't take this one incident and throw it against them and just say forever, you're a piece of garbage and no one cares what you do. No one cares what you've done. You're garbage. You can't hold that against them for that. That's personally my opinion. That's almost like if, if Junkyard Dog or you know The Rock or Mark Henry was just going to tirade about hating you know, a race, Mexicans, white people, Chinese, whatever. I, I, it wouldn't affect me to the point where I hate this guy. I need to forever throw all of my merchandise that I have of him away, all the memories, all the happiness he's brought me the past my whole life. I can't do it, Chris. It just doesn't do that for me. I mean, yeah, it's a bad point. It's a shame that he's done that. He's got to live with that. But it does kind of change it for me because I know that, you know, saying Hulk Hogan and this and that, everyone's going to now think racist. And it, that's not how I go to view him. That's not, I mean, he slammed onto the giant WrestleMania 3. That, for me, that's my big point. He beat the Iron Sheik. I mean, Hulk Hogan is the NWO. He is the old American man. And people make mistakes. People say things, do things they don't mean, especially when you're at the lowest point of your life like that. And his anger and hatred takes over, so that's my two cents on it. Nothing. I get it. I, I I get it, man, and I respect I respect that you know tremendously. And, and knowing who you are, and knowing you, and knowing you for a while, I respect that opinion. But as an African American myself, it, it it penetrates me to the bone. And I read the transcript. I I you know. I've talked to some people. I I I get it. I, it 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 
it just ripped it, it just penetrates to the bone that you know at the end of the day here's the thing when you become Hulk Hogan, Terry Bollea doesn't exist anymore. And Hogan makes it very clear, even on Twitter, that Terry Bollea, he's not going to step back and say, let me just digest this for a second and regretfully apologize. No, 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 no. He's still back in Hulk Hogan mode, and he's still retweeting supporters and retweeting this and saying I'm not a racist. No, 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 dude. You made a huge mistake. You said how you felt, you said how you felt, so that's how you felt, there wasn't a, and I'm sure that it wasn't a one-time thing of how you felt as far as saying ridiculous things, if I want to marry a, an, uh, blah, 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 it, I want to make a hundred million dollars, and they, this typecasting, just ridiculous banter about how you really feel, and here's the thing, that wasn't the Hulk Hogan that we're so used to seeing because he knows that, you know, people know how to act on cameras. When you become an actor, when you become a personality in WWE, you know what to do. You know what to say. That's why people literally take acting classes like John uh, John Morrison, Johnny Moon. Take acting classes to know what to say and what to say and how to say it. So you have that mentality, and Hogan's been doing it for 40 years. But at the same time, when you're behind the cameras, that's who really defines who you are. So it's like, you know, Benoit, you know, it was one it was one incident that just ruined his career, that ruined what he did. For me, it's the same thing with Hogan. One incident ruined it, you know, and, and basically – I, we're the same age, Derek. You, you and I are the same age. We grew up, you know, watching Hogan doing all this, the real American, all that. We'll talk about it more next week. But as far as I'm concerned, Hogan can get the, get the boot. I'm totally in support with, and that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. You guys have a good night. Enjoy your week of wrestling, and God bless. Goodbye. <laughs>